755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic. I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening out in Seattle, Eric? Not too much, Dave. How you doing? Good. Busy week for the Bravos, man. Let's start with the obvious, the big story over this team, waiting for the COVID results. Even though the team won't acknowledge it, that's what it is. They've agreed to terms with uh, Yasiel Puig, former Dodgers phenom, who isn't the superstar that we thought he was going to be when he those first two years he was phenomenal. But he's still a solid player and would be a big boost for the Braves at a time when they needed after Nick Marcakis opted out and with Freddie Freeman liable to start, likely to start the season on the COVID-19 IL. This is a big bat that could add to the middle of the order. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that the questions with him has always just been uh, his, his clubhouse influence and all that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I think about it, and first of all, the Braves got such a solid clubhouse I think they can handle anybody, but also I don't know if there's been too much really said about him the last few years. I know he had some trouble in L.A. Right. when he was first there, but it seems like the last few years he's, he's been all right. So, I mean, he he still hit what he hit two sixty seven with twenty four homers last year. I mean, he didn't have a bad year. I was kind of shocked he was on the market still. Yeah, and he still gets on base. Uh, he still he still can hit it out at any time to any field, and he's still got a cannon in the outfield. He might overthrow some guys sometimes, but better than not having an arm, you know. You'd rather have to rein it in. <laughs> yeah. and, I mean, he's still a weapon out in the outfield. Now, I don't know where they're going to play him because he's played almost exclusively in right field the last three years. He played some center early in his career, but he's not a center fielder now. Uh, and for whatever reason, he's play, he's barely played any left field. Um. But that might be where they have him because I know yeah. they want to keep Acuna in right field. You know, Acuna is the face of the franchise for the next decade, and he's got a cannon for an arm, and it's accurate, and he's a bigger weapon in, in uh, right field. But Acuna was already going to move to center when Ender's out of the lineup anyway, whether Ender's struggling or against some lefties. Acuna was going to move to center anyway. So those that's one obvious time when uh, Puig can be in right field. What's his salary? I'm told it's only going to be a one million dollar salary prorated, so that'll be three hundred about three hundred seventy grand. But I think there's also going to be some incentives in there if he's on the roster all year. In other words, if he passes this test and he stays healthy, so, I mean, for uh, three seventy, you get a talent it, like Puig. I feel like that's a pretty low risk move. You know, yeah, like a guy no sitting there like that for for basically free in baseball terms. I mean, why not just take a chance on him? It seems like that, and then just find a spot for him. But he's definitely not taking any at bats away from Acuna. Right, right. He's not taking the bats away from Acuna or Azuna because Azuna, Azuna, they can use in the DH role. Yeah. The thing with they've got five outfielders again now if they have Puig, and Azuna's the fifth of those guys defensively. They're, they're all, the others are all better than him defensively. Enciarte, Acuna, Duvall, and Puig. They're all better than Oze, uh, than uh, Ozuna defensively. So it only makes sense to use Ozuna at DH unless you just want to put him in the outfield occasionally for whatever reason, you know. Because you told him when you signed him he was going to be the left fielder, but hey, things change, and that was before they had the DH they didn't have in the a DH. league. Yeah, he's and probably cool the, with it, and right? And before it became a two-month sprint to the finish, where you can't afford. I mean, you got to do everything right if, as long as much as you can and play every game to win, as we've talked about, like it's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's for me if if anything pops up, it's not it's not a lot of money burnt, and he's still got plenty of talent, and when he's on deck. You know, he's the guy in yeah. front of him is going to get pitches to hit because you just don't want to deal with Puig. Um, I know he's he actually hits righties better than lefties, but yeah, still as a lefty, a power threat like that and all the speed he's got, I mean, he could be a nightmare on the base pass. Yeah, um, yeah, he doesn't run that much, but he should. I mean, he's got the speed to, to steal thirty bases. Well, even going first to third, or like he might hit a ground ball at the middle and try to stretch it into a double. He just does crazy shit on the field, and that's just stuff that when when you when you when the guy's on deck or the guy's in the box and, and you're having to deal with him, I mean, it, it changes how you pitch to him. So he's going to have an impact either way. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I just hope that everything works out with, with blending into the clubhouse and everything like that. But it seems like, especially having Charlie on the team already, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it, they, can, they can they can make it work. Could be big. You know, uh, not as players. Now, I'm not comparing them as players. But physically, you know who yeah. he reminds Bo me Jackson. of physically? <laughs> well, Jackson. Bo Jackson, yeah, but a current player, Mike Trout. Yeah, they're about the same size, and they can both run. I mean, really fast. Trout's just Jacked. a little, 
Trout, Trout's a little, maybe a little smarter on the bases. I don't know. Puig's jacked, man. I mean, if he's in the kind of shape he was in, you know, the last couple of years, there was a picture, you know, when the yeah. Reds played that game without sleeves. <laughs> yeah, he's been my waiting God, his whole career ridiculous. for that game. Oh, oh, my God. Bigger bigger than Bo, you know, yeah. upper body. Yeah. Um, That's what people, when he first came in, you know, like 13, 14, I remember uh, – Brian McCann, I remember him just saying, like, this is Bo Jackson level athleticism yeah. and power and everything he's got. But, you know, there's a, obviously, like yeah, there's a lot more to baseball than, than just the talent. But he's physically, man, he's one of the most impressive specimen I've seen on a baseball field. Those first two years, I mean, I don't think you can overstate how good we thought he was going to be. He was he was remarkable those first two years. He yeah. Was a great, he, was a, he was not a good player. He was no. close to a great player those first two years. Yeah, and you thought the only thing holding him back was just his approach and and his uh-huh. uh, you know his at bats and and sometimes he'd do some dumb stuff on the field. But like I said, I haven't I haven't heard too much about him yeah. lately. You know, most of the stories I heard about him were, were from his time with the Dodgers. And yeah, you know, yeah. It, it for Cuban guys, man, it's a big adjustment coming over here and playing. We had uh, we had Escobar really struggle, you know, adapting to the culture and all that stuff, and it, it's just different. But the game's changed since he came in. So a lot of the stuff he was doing that, that was right. rubbing people wrong in 13 Good and point. 14 with the Dodgers. Good point. Everybody's doing that stuff now. Yeah. And and it probably won't it, it won't piss as many people off. You know, it's kind of just a different game being played that, that fits his personality better anyway. I'll tell you one thing. If there are incidents like there was a couple of times with Acuna last year where he got hit and people were upset that nobody oh. got, had his back. <laughs> Well, you got the guy now. Yeah, you got a security Puig detail is, now. Quig is just waiting for the opportunity to jump in and start a fight, or or join a fight, or finish a fight. This <laughs> is just, this yeah. is the guy for that. Every time there's been a, a brawl or something with one of his He's teams, you just see him running He's around like a. <laughs> you never have to look on man. the periphery and go, "Where's Puig? No. Where's Puig?" No. He's in the middle of it. He's right getting in the into it, pushing yeah. somebody. Which isn't always a that. good thing, but I mean, like maybe him he's on waiting your side. a little too much to get in a fight. But you got to yeah. respect that he is never on the periphery, worried about getting tossed or getting his ass kicked. I mean, he's in the middle no. of it. No, he he's ready it up, to take sure. the other team on, like he was the Pirates last year. He wanted to take on their whole team. Yeah, so yeah, so you don't have to uh, you don't have to worry about where he is at. You know, look for for Puig on the periphery, or or worry about a guy that's. Uh, you know, that's that's wondering if he'll get ejected or, you know, get his ass kicked or whatever. Cause that's Puig is ready to jump in there and take uh he's just looking for a reason. Yeah. And you gotta respect that to a degree. I mean, this is a guy that's ready to have he'll have his opponent, he'll have his uh 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 teammates back, no doubt. I mean it's not always a good thing to have somebody up in the ante every time there's any kind of tussle, but right. uh, at the same time. You know, I, th- I think it'd feel good to have him on your side during those brawls. Yeah, you would. You don't want to get suspended though in a two-month season. You don't want to get suspended for five games, you know, or ten games, because <laughs> that could be a difference. So <laughs> yeah. you got to be smart about it. But at least other teams know. They know this guy is is ready to ready to rock. So, um, you know, you mentioned Charlie. I think that's huge. He was teammates with Puig with the Dodgers for t- parts of two seasons in sixteen and seventeen. And they had adjoining lockers. And supposedly Charlie and Justin Turner were about the the, the guys on that team that were uh, closest to him, the Anglos that were closest to him, um, or maybe just teammates that were closest to him. I'm not sure. But I asked Charlie. We, asked, we were talking to Charlie about it yesterday. And he said, I really enjoyed Yasiel. Good person, good heart. He means well. He's got so much ability, so much talent. He said, I had a locker next to him or beside him, so I really got to know him as who he was. And a lot of people, I guess, are rubbed a little differently by him. Obviously, if he's on the opposing team, and I can see that, that's just kind of his style of play. He said, you know, the more of, if you want to call it antics, that goes on, that feeds Yasiel in his style of play. And then he repeated so much talent. Yeah, and that's that's just what the game's kind of embraced, you know, uh, a a, uh a lot of guys that they kind of it, it boosts their their confidence, their ego. They feel better when they're doing stuff that you know they feel like they're being themselves and kind of acting out and showing you how good they are. It's almost a mental game. A lot of guys play, and it, it might not even have anything to do with the opponent, but they're trying to pump themselves up. And you know, like a guy like Josh Donaldson, he rubbed a lot of people wrong when he was in mm-hmm. Oakland, but. Mm-hmm. We kind of just embraced it because we knew if, if JD's doing his stuff, you know, if, if he's 
pipping homers and, and acting the way he is, you know, that's just him kind of pumping himself up and, and boosting his own ego. And when he feels like that, he plays better. So you almost, you know, I think as a, as a whole, the league and a lot of teammates have learned to embrace that stuff versus before it was, it was all about just getting on board and doing it the way it's always been done. And, and a lot of guys just couldn't understand it. And it was hard for them to understand when they were young, but the game's gone younger and changed and it's, it's a better time for him to, to, to do the stuff he does now without really pissing as many people off. We, I compared him physically to Trout and you to Bo Jackson. There are a lot of similarities to JD, no doubt. He comes in with that kind of baggage, that kind of how's he going to fit in the clubhouse and all that. And we saw how JD did, fitting yep. great. Yep. They embraced, we embraced him from day one, said we like that he's different than the others, he's not buttoned down like the former Braves used to be. Um, and he did great in there. His cockiness, his swagger, it gave the Braves an edge. They said that they lacked before JD got there. So, if Yasiel is focused on playing, he could give him an edge too. You know, he could provide that as well. Yeah, and so much of it is is comfort, you know, for guys like that and, and yeah. getting to be themselves. Uh, you know, he's still got all the talent in the world. He could have a breakout year just just being in an environment where he's embraced and feels like he's part of the team. And you know, you wouldn't think that stuff matters, but it, it really does to a lot of guys. I think it's good having both Charlie, assuming Charlie's on the 30-man roster, and I think there's yeah. a good chance he'll be on at least the 30. Now, you might have a choice or you might have a decision to make when it goes to 28 two weeks in or when it goes to 26 four weeks in. But at 30, I think you have to have him on it, especially with Freddie on the IL or probably on the COVID IL. Charlie can play some first base. He could be your third catcher in emergency, so you don't have to take an Alex Jackson and use a roster spot as a third catcher. Uh, I think Charlie's versatility and throw in this uh, intangible with the Puig thing. If Puig's on the team, then Charlie can give you something that could be important. A guy Puig knows that comfort factor. And then you add guys like Acuna and Ozzy, these young, personable, energetic uh, guys that play with that that uh, kind of a little bit of flamboyance that Puig yeah. did when he came into the lineup. I think Puig's going to like that too. Yeah, and it's also important just to have somebody that he trusts, you know, and somebody that knows him. It's so much easier to communicate with guys once they trust you and 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 yeah. know you respect them and what you're about. You know, it used to just be about screaming guys and telling them how to do it, and that would almost bring out like a rebellious uh, attitude. You know, that they they they'd get mad, frustrated, and think you were against them. To have a guy that they know trusts them and they know loves them and spends time, you know, sitting by him at their locker on the plane. Putting time in with them, that guy that they trust and respect can be the guy that goes to him and says like, "Hey, that was a little much out there today. Like maybe tone that down or 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 something like that." And and it just that's what Martin Prado did for Escobar. There was uh -huh. there's plenty of times Prado would always tell this story where Escobar wanted to go fight Chipper, uh -huh. and it was just, just I think Chipper was telling him to stop whistling so much during the game, right? And right. and because Chipper was Chipper, and and there's you know. Chipper's got all this time in the game. He's 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 on every billboard. He's this huge deal in Atlanta. Uh, I don't think Escobar felt like uh, he was really able to communicate and get with him. There's a language barrier. Uh -huh. So Chipper telling him not to do that, he was like, hey, that's the way I play. And he wanted to go get up on Chipper after a game that he told him to stop whist uh, whistling. And Chipper was 0 for 4. And Prado's like, hey, you know, let's wait for tomorrow. And Prado <laughs> kind of just diffused the whole situation, managed it, explained that, you know, baseball is a little different here. We do it different. Um, but, you know, you're, you're part of this team the same. Everybody loves you. And, and Prado kind of worked that angle and kept Escobar in check where Escobar could feel like he was still being himself, but, but not like an outcast because he played the game different. And that's really important to have. So, you know, maybe, maybe um, Charlie can serve kind of that role with Puig and just let him know, you know, maybe that was a little too much today, but it's not a big deal. You know, more importantly, let's get back to the uh, chipper versus Escobar potential <laughs> brawl. Now you got it. That one is going that, that, that right there would be, I'd pay money to see that one. You know, <laughs> yeah. chipper, Country strong, big dude, man. Bigger than people think until they meet him. They don't realize he's no, about Chip six three, six four, and about two forty, two you know, two thirty to two forty, especially at this point. But big dude, Escobar, he's got an edge, man. That guy came from some rough upbringing in Cuba, wide shoulders. Uh, he was pretty and ripped he's put too. together. Yeah, he put yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'd go probably Chipper just because he's bigger. And Chipper's got a history too. If uh, he knocked some guy out in uh, high school, one of his teammates gave him some shit and he knocked him out. Of things. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Chipper's got some big old hands too. So that'd be yeah. a good fight, though. 
It's funny, man. It's it's funny because athletes don't always know how to fight, but being athletic is yeah. a really good start. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it'd be a good brawl, I'm sure. Especially from with me from an upbringing like either of those two guys. Chipper, country strong, grew up, you know, out in the sticks, you know, drinking on Friday nights, all that kind of thing. And then Escobar coming from Cuba, Cuba you know. <laughs> yeah, they've both got an edge there. No silver spoon in his mouth, man. So. No, and that's part of it too, you know, coming from where they come from and going through yeah. what they go through just to get here. You know, they, they don't want to go through all that and be told how to play or what to do. You know, they've, they're they coming from somewhere where they've had that going right. on and they've been really controlled and they just want to be themselves. I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's always the, for all the Latin players, I think Cuban players have the hardest time adjusting because of what they've been through. And, yes. And, you know, it's just, it takes time to earn the, the gringos trust, you know, or for, for the gringos to earn their trust for sure. I, yeah. I ran into this a lot covering the Marlins, you know, with Cuban defectors. Uh, it, people don't understand it's a different mindset. When you get off that island, most of them have attempted multiple times to get yep. away to defect, especially back then. I think it might be a little easier to get away now. Obviously, um, you know, they were even letting some guys out for a while, but back then, I mean, you had to get out. You had to risk your life to yep. get on a raft, to get on a, you know, to, to go uh, to hop in the, uh, literally in the trunk of a car while yep. you're with a junior national team playing in Europe and then catch a flight. You know, you had to, you had to do some things to get out of there. So when you escape that island, you feel this freedom. You've yep. been, you've put your life on the line. So now you're playing a game. And you don't yeah. understand why people would get upset that, you know, <laughs> right. you know, some joy hitting a home run. You're like, yeah. Come on. Why would they take that so seriously and look like, look, frown upon that? It's different. Different yeah, mindset. And, and the game's changed a lot since, since those yeah. things were a big deal. You know, I used to love, I would talk to Levon Hernandez about his story of defecting and, uh, Unieski, uh, uh, Betancourt. He's got one of the craziest stories. I mean, he came over. He he got pistol whipped one time. He's got this big scar across his wow. forehead. He was one of the coolest dudes I ever played with. I mean, just just played with joy and, and never had any trouble with anybody. He was just happy to be here. But, yeah, you go through all that, and then some guy that's, you know, I think that they think that Americans, in a sense, are just these spoiled rich guys. Right. That, that just entitled have had it, and all that. Entitled, had it so easy, and, and don't know how hard life can be, and you know, I'm sure from their vantage point, you know, it's a pretty good argument when, when you're coming over here after dealing with all that. But yeah, man, the, the stuff they have to go through to get over here is it's just crazy. Hey, listeners, producer Cam here. Look, I don't know who needs to hear this, but guess what? Smelling good is important. And that's where Hawthorne comes in. Hawthorne delivers an array of great smelling products personalized just for you. All you have to do is take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you not only the two colognes that are best for you, one cologne for work and one cologne for play, but the best shampoos, deodorant, lotions, you name it, that fit your smell profile. And today, make sure to check out Hawthorne.co, not.com, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, and use the promo code ATHLETIC for 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co, and use the promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O to find your better smelling self. So he didn't, he did he was a 2014 All-Star, 2013 National League Rookie of the Year runner-up, uh, was phenomenal those first two years. He didn't develop into the superstar that it looked like he would be after those first two years. But like we said, still a solid player. Over the last three seasons, he's averaged, averaged 25 homers, uh, 74 ribbies in 142 games while hitting 265 with an 811 OPS. 811 OPS is pretty solid. Take that anytime from a guy who's, May or may not be in the everyday lineup. He'll probably be in the everyday lineup. But eight eleven OPS, that's better than you know than Nick has done most years. He's he's six, seven years younger than Nick. Doesn't bring the intangibles to the clubhouse, you know, that Nick did, but uh probably a better fit for this team and a better a little bit better player than Nick at this point of his career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you can't replace what what Marquez has brought to the table in the clubhouse and and the and quality of the bats he has. Those at bats, yeah. Those the way he bats. played the game. I mean, you you knew what you were going to get out of Marquez on a day in day out basis, and I think that's what uh, Puig struggled with a little bit. It's just been the right. consistency, but really, I mean, he hits about two sixty every year. It seems like um, you, I, yeah. I'd say, you know, you count on him for two sixty with fifteen twenty homers and 
flying all over the place in the outfield. I think 20 to 25 homers is more like it, but you know, and so he's got about 10 more homers than Nick, but Nick is obviously, I mean, he is the steadiest professional as, as Ender Enciarte said, the most consistent player I ever yeah. played with is Nick Marcakis. So he brings that clubhouse, that, that consistency to the clubhouse every day. People know he's going to be in the lineup. They can build around him and Freddie being in the lineup, you know, and, uh, and, and the quiet, stoic professional leading by example and all that, you know, but. He, but but like we said, uh, Puig could bring something that you know JD brought to this team—an edge and, a, and an, a, 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 an ability uh, to play with that that swagger and that energy. And there's that shouldn't be dismissed. I mean, if he's on, if he's playing as well as he can play, he could definitely bring a lot to this team, especially if they open a season without Freddie in the lineup. They got to have another presence in the middle of that yeah. order that can hit the ball out of the park. Yeah, he's definitely a presence. And, you know, the other side of that is sometimes hating other teams pretty good. And even if, you know, even if your guy does something out of line and, and it pisses the other team off and then they do yeah. something you don't agree with, that tension and that energy of just focusing on the enemy can really motivate a team and get them going. I mean, it's a pretty short season, but, you know, you hit those dog days and then you get in a brawl, man. Your team can kind of yeah. wake up and, and, hit, and get rolling after that. So, you know, it, it's definitely going to be – it's going to be exciting. <laughs> it's going to be good entertainment having having all the uh, the energy he's bringing to the table. We talked about those reverse splits. Uh, there's not many guys that do it over a career. Usually you see those in one or two years. Yeah. But for his career, he's a right-handed hitter who has a 285 average, 350 OBP, 495 slugging against righties. That's an 845 OPS and over 2,400 plate appearances. Against lefties, he's hit 255, 343 OBP, 419 slugging and 762 OPS in 934 plate appearances. So you're talking about uh, 80 points difference in uh, in in OPS. I mean, an average is 30 points difference. So that's pretty significant. Yeah, it's weird. It, it happens once in a while, but mm-hmm. you know, as a lefty, you, you're having your pitchers meetings and stuff like that, and they're saying, you know, you're probably gonna you're probably going to have him if he comes up in the lineup and you're still looking at it. Like this is a big right-handed power bat. You know, it it still has an effect on you where you really prefer to avoid him. But you know, some guys are just like that where whether it's a changeup going away from him that he doesn't like from Uh the lefties or he might not handle the ball coming into him real well. And, and you can beat him up with sliders and things like that. And righties just can't get to that spot, but whatever it is, you know, that's fine because this team has been looking to have more left-handed bats. So if you got a guy that, that does better against righties, you know, whatever, yeah. keep him. Yeah. And it replaces what you lost to Nick. Um, right. Hey, do you remember facing Cliff Floyd? I never faced him. Oh, okay. Because Cliff Floyd was a lefty hitter who had these kind of splits at least some years. I'd have to look up his career because I don't know off the top of my head his career. But he had some years where he hit lefties. I mean, he he was like one of the best hitters in the league against lefties. Uh, especially from the left side. And I asked him about it one time, and he talked about how when he's facing lefties, he has to focus on keeping uh-huh. his shoulder in. And that he said, I didn't fly opening its lefties. And, I, and, it, and it, it just made him focus so much more. So he stayed in and stayed back against lefties better than he did against righties. He had more discipline against lefties. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it almost locks you in more because you know it's a, it's a harder matchup for you. So you, mm-hmm. you kind of try to do less. Which sounds like what uh-huh. Floyd's saying, where it's like, you know, he didn't want to get b- beaten by the breaking ball, right. so he had to keep his shoulder in there. And then you wind up just having a better swing, a calmer swing, and, and putting better at-bats together right. consistently because of that. So That's it could be something said, like yeah. that with him. Where I, And I think I've seen a lot of videos of Puig hitting hanging breaking balls from righties. Right, right. Yeah, if you're not flying open, man, if you're, you know. I think Freddie got a lot better last year, by the way, because, uh, you know, he, you know he, he got hit. Both times he got hurt, he got hit in the wrist. When he kind of flies open, when somebody pitches inside and he's in the middle of his swing and the natural inclination is to keep going with your swing and therefore you're facing the pitcher, you know, by the time it comes and hits you. So he kept getting hit in his hand on the inside of that wrist. And uh, Fred McGriff told me, Freddie's got to learn to duck his shoulder down instead of opening up when that ball's coming inside. He's got to turn his shoulder inward instead of outward. And yeah. I really noticed in the last year or two, Freddie got better at that. I don't think he got hit on the inside, maybe once on the wrist like that. But man, when Fred told me and showed me, I'm like, God, that seems so, uh, so obvious. But I understand how it's not natural. But if, if hitters can know to turn their shoulder in 
instead of opening up, they won't get hit in the inside of the wrist. Yeah, and you think about that angle. You know, if it's coming from the opposite side, you have you and and it's a fastball that sails on them. Uh huh. You know, from a righty, it's just going to be up and away. But when a fastball sails lefty lefty, it's going to be right at your hands. Yeah. So if you if you are a really good, you know, Freddie rakes lefties. If you are a guy that hits mm-hmm. lefties really well you're going to be really good at staying in there and mm-hmm. and staying on that ball and assuming, right. you know, if he's looking breaking ball and it sails on him, it's going to fly right into his wrist. Yeah. And so it's it's just one of those things that when you're, that's what makes hitting same side pitchers, you know, so hard yeah. is because that ball seems to start at you a lot more and it's always in the back of your mind that like, what if this is a fastball? Yeah. You know, when you go to swing, you can't help it, but kind of just bail that shoulder a little bit just yeah. in case it's a fastball. So you just create a habit of opening up. But Freddie, I mean, Freddie's one of the best at at covering lefty breaking balls in the game. Oh, that's, yeah. that's probably part of why he's gotten hit oh, by yeah. some lefty fastballs. Yeah, I mean, you are susceptible to that getting hit in your hands. Like you said, if you yep. turn his shoulder inward, you're not going to get hit in the hands. You're going to get hit in the shoulder. Yeah. But you're also susceptible to get hit in the face too when yep. you open up yep. like that. You know, like we saw with Jason Hayward, like we've seen a few times, and it's nasty, that's, man. That's why it's just a natural advantage, you know, facing the same side sure. as a pitcher. Especially with guys with the stuff they have today. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, but just, hey, just look back real quick on those first two seasons we had. I think people maybe that are maybe that aren't older, uh, they might not remember how good he was or it was on the West Coast. So maybe he didn't quite keep up like you do if he was over here. But let's just go. Puig in those first two years, it was like Fernando Mania getting out with Dodgers. Yeah, it they was. were in love with this guy. Vince Gully called gave him the great nickname, the Wild Horse, because mm-hmm. he was sensational, <laughs> spectacular, but sometimes reckless style of play. Called him the Scully's Wild so Horse. But he hit those first two years combined, he hit 305, uh, a hundred or no, one of those years he had a hundred and four extra base hits, eleven triples, thirty-five homers. Uh 888 OPS. Oh, that, that was the two years combined. 888 OPS in 252 games. Had a 151 OPS plus, which is off the charts. I and mean, that's terrific. Yeah. Uh, in the five years since then, he's hit 264, 97 homers, 10 triples. He's got less triples in the five seasons since than he had those first two years. But, uh, he has a, a, let's see, a 792 OPS. So about 90 points less. So. You know, he went from being a uh, future superstar to just being a good player. Good, you know, good to very good player. Power, power bat. Yeah, you never know either. You know, it's a, a different hitting coach or different, you know, making one adjustment at the plate when you've got the talent he's got. It, it, it fitting in, feeling like you're part of a team, part of something, playing for something different. Yeah. You know, you never know. And that that's the thing about talent is it's 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 always there. You know, it's always ready to – guys like him are always ready to break out or make one adjustment – Versus a guy, you know, like Charlie Colberson is never going to be a forty homer guy. Puig's yeah. got the talent. If he if he made one adjustment or figured one thing out or changed his approach in a way, he could hit thirty or forty one year and and be that superstar he was looking like. But you and know, it's got, it's all about doing it on the field. He's got a good hitting coach, really good one in sights, yeah. but also sights assistant Nachi is speaks Spanish fluent. Uh, so yeah. he's right there with all the Latin guys. So sights speaks through him. They're together, and Nachi's really good too, man. Not many people know how good he is. Uh, but Jose Castro's good. Um, Nachi's what it, Nacho's what they call him, Nachi. Um, so he, uh, yeah, that first year, 925 OPS. He played 104 games. He had 19 homers, 11 stolen bases that first year. Uh, when he was MVP, 15th in MVP votes, second and runner up to Jose Fernandez. <clears throat> Pretty good guy to be runner up to. Um, and then the next year, yeah, he had 319 that first year, by the way. 391 OBP. I mean, he was Jeez. phenomenal, man. Yeah. And then the next year, he hit, uh, he had an 863 OPS, hit 296. So it was those first two years, the average was huge, man. Then he really came back with the average to the 250s, 260s since then. Um, so last year after the trade to Cleveland, man, he was damn good. He went yeah. with Cleveland, 49 games. He hit 297 with a 377 OBP. Um, so that's, if the Braves can get anything like that, they'll be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. And they're paying 300 something thousand. That's, you know, right. It's as low risk as it gets. Um, so let's see, uh, the Braves could, could use, like we said, we could use, they could use another presence in the middle of the order that Marquecas was right now. The Braves are without their number three hitter, 
without their at least part-time number five hitter, because that's where Nick would have probably hit when he's in the lineup, and without their all-star closer with the Giants last year, the biggest offseason signing, Will Will Smith, is going to open the year on the COVID list off for sure. He hasn't thrown to hitters yet because he's still not still out. So I, you could argue they've had as many significant uh, losses so far as anybody to COVID and to opt-outs. Felix was going to be their fifth starter. He opted out. Yeah. And, and, you know, so these are not just small things to get over. These are pretty significant in a two-month season. So for Alex to scramble and get the best available guy, there weren't many guys available, you know, obviously. Uh, and for Alex to go out and get Puig, that's, that could be pretty significant. Well, I think the big thing is you want somebody, you want a presence behind Freddie. And you got three guys for me that could do it. it you know, if Ozuna does anything like yeah. he was doing before last yeah. year, Puig shows up or, or Austin Riley. I mean, you got right. power bats. You could try if with all three of them, one of them's got to hit. Or and even Duvall that, when he's in the lineup. Or Duvall, yeah. You know, one of those four guys hits, then then the lineup's looking pretty good. Because for me, it all just rides on Freddie getting pitched to. And so mm-hmm. if you can get Freddie pitched to, after dealing with Acuna and, and Aussie, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a nightmare gauntlet for for a pitcher to try to work his way through. Yeah, so Puig is definitely not the uh, archetype of those Braves teams of the 90s when they were kind of viewed as the button-down professionals of Major League Baseball, uh, even into the early 2000s. But these haven't been your dad's Braves for no. the last couple of years now. And I'd say a lot of fans under the age of, I don't know, 50 or so are quite pleased with that development. Yeah. And uh, if I'm being honest, so am I. I. I I like these wear their emotions on the sleeves, Braves. They play with swagger, you know, the bat flips, the shit talk, and sometimes even instigating rather than responding to the shit talk. I, yeah. I don't have a problem with it, and I actually kind of like it. I think it's entertaining, and I, I don't. If, as long as you play the game the right way, I don't think that's a pr- bad thing. Well, and you know, the thing is, like for me, the farther I've gotten away from my playing days, the the more I've enjoyed that stuff. It was just, it was just embedded in your brain to, to think mm-hmm. that's bad or this dude's kind of breaking the rules or doing it a way we're not supposed to. Um, so when I say that stuff, my first year out of the game, you know, it kind of, it kind of strike a chord or you, you'd think it's kind of annoying, but the more I've gotten into just watching games as a fan, all that stuff's fun to watch. And, and, mm-hmm. and all those things, you know, the bat flips and, and guys showing off and doing stuff, it just ups the ante, you know, it pisses the other team off. They want to do something back, but from the competitive, you know, aspect of it, it, it just it's more fun to watch. So I, I think MLB's actually done a good job embracing all that, and, so do and I. it's and, and they've done it on purpose. You know, it's not been an accident, yeah. but just to, you know, for kids to watch this stuff, kids love all that stuff. You're trying to get kids into the game. I, I think it's been a good move, and and you know, like Snit, Snit doesn't have for me, Snit just doesn't have time to shit like to worry about that. You know, he exactly. just he just doesn't care. Sixty four, and he's, he's like he's not wasting but- energy on it. Yeah, exactly. Because you got to adapt. He understands you got to adapt yeah. if you want to stay in the game. It's a young man's game. Yep. Most of the managers are in the 30s now or 40s. He's he knows he needs to adapt, and he's doing this, and, and it doesn't it doesn't piss him off either. He's like he accepted this. It's like come on, this what don't be a don't, you know don't be stuck in your ways, or you'll just be at home uh, angry watching the games on TV. You know. Yeah, and a lot of old pe- old baseball people are now, but yeah. was, I think that Snit's a really good manager for him to play for too, because Snit will find a way to communicate yep. and absolutely his the way he's embraced this team and the youth movement and all that. I mean, it's it's it doesn't get talked about enough, but he's done a great job. The young guys like uh, Acuna and Ozzy love him, you know. Yeah, they love and him. The only time you've seen Snit get pissed is if you're doing something like pimping a homer and it costs you a base. Right. If if right. you want to if you want to bat flip and do cool shit and feel and dig yourself a little bit on the field, it's not going to bother him at all. But if you hit a ball off the wall, just get to second base. And I, I think as a yeah. whole, that's that's where most of baseball is at now. Yeah, and the, you know while MLB has done it, you know, kind of crassly because they want to appeal to younger people, they want they're right. doing it for money. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's a, it probably bothers them, but they're right. But I think <laughs> it's done. The good thing is this. Is I think Latin players come over here from a yep. different culture, and for so many decades, they felt like they had to adapt, and they exactly. had to. And I think a lot of them felt like it reined in their personalities, and they didn't yep. play with the kind of freedom that they can play with now. And I would argue that a Ronald Acuna, or uh, you just name them. There's a lots. There's a uh, 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 bias with the Cubs. Yep. Guys like that, um, I don't think that they would be 
I mean, he's going to be great are. players regardless, but I think they play with a more sense of freedom and are better players because they don't feel like they have to always watch everything that they do, you know, and rein in their emotions. I think when you can play with a freedom, you know, and the way you were brought up, I think it, it makes you a better, better player. And I think this, they're better because of it. The better players because they can play and not worry about whether they're going to get, uh, you know, uh, reamed out when they get to the dugout. Yeah, even, you know, I, I remember uh, Josh saying, Josh Donaldson saying he kind of struggled with that his first month here. And then he finally just said, screw it, I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. And that's when he really took off. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things that a guy, if that's what makes you tick, if that's what brings you, you just have to get to a place. Everybody has to get to a different place mentally. And I think, you know, as a teammate, you just say, you know what, man, whatever the hell you got to do to be digging yourself and feeling confident and free out there. Get yeah. to that place, and and you just embrace it, and and like a guy like JD, you almost pump him up and tell him how cool that bat flip was, and he's going to want to do it again, and yeah. and you just you know the game's just kind of embrace that and changed, and this stuff doesn't bother me anymore. Because if you look at look at the NBA, look how the NBA has flourished, yeah. Yep. And if you played the NBA, if you tried to 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 if the equivalent of what baseball did for so long, which is you got to play the game this way. Don't show your emotions. Don't show up the other opponent. Don't celebrate, blah, blah, blah. Imagine how boring the NBA would be. <laughs> it would look, it would look like the game from the fifties, you know? Yeah. The NBA is all about swagger guys doing three sixty dunks when they don't need to guys doing, you know, passes, putting a little mustard on the pass that maybe they don't need to, but people love it. And guys love playing like that. And when you play with a sense of freedom, you play better. Even if you're being a hot dog a little bit at times, you play better, man. Look at the best players in the NBA. Look at Jordan. You know, the time he made the move where he went from the right hand to the left hand, he didn't even have to do that move. And that's no. the move that the signature move over the years, the Jordan move in the playoffs, didn't even have to go from right to left. But you know? that's also that's also the that it's a mental game you're playing too, where you're showing off and you're letting the yeah. other people, you know, yeah. you're letting them know how good you are. You're letting right. them know I can get away with this. I can still do that. I can I can swing and, and take a knee and hit a ball out to right center. Yeah, and you know I think that people watch that stuff and it's more entertaining to watch. It, it's stuff that you want to see and and people don't want to watch robots. I think the game right. just realized that and people realized it and it's it's just kind of all getting put to bed. You, you look at pictures better. of Rucker Park, the famous park in New York, where they have the, yeah. the greatest pickup games in, 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 in the history of basketball. There are people uh, jammed onto all the rooftops, hanging yep. off the uh, <laughs> literally hanging off signposts and uh, streetlights to watch these guys. Guys like Dr. J would come back when they were in the ABA and, That's so and, and cool. guys in college to come back and play pickup ball. Yep. Because they play with this total sense of freedom. And that's the best basketball in the world when they play yep. like that. Like the oh, dream I, team played in the Olympics. Yep. I, I love watching those videos of a guy like Kevin Durant go play at the Rucker or something yep. like that because it's it's a different environment than they're used to. But then you start seeing, oh, they can play like this too. You know, they right. can they can do all that stuff. It, it's fun to see what athletes are capable of. And I think kind of containing them, telling them they have to play a certain way, you're just robbing yourself of, of a good show. I mean, fans just love it. I mean, there's no doubt. I know I love it as a fan. I don't, that's the kind of basketball I want to watch. Yeah, you me know? too. And if, if a guy makes a bad pass when he didn't really have to do that, okay, so that happens once or twice a game or a guy tries a dunk and he hits it off the back of the rim, okay, so what? You know, so maybe he would have missed a layup as well. Who cares? It's just the game's better to watch and a guy's play with more sense of freedom, and I think that can carry over to baseball too. And I think we've seen it carry over to baseball. And you've, you've seen guys go to the Yankees and have to cut their long hair or their beard, and they're just yeah. not the same player. I mean, it's it's part of your – it's part of just your own confidence and, and, and your, your – your show, you know, you're putting on, but you got to convince yourself you're the man and whatever you have to do to do it. I mean, just go ahead. Hey, listeners near and around Atlanta. What better way to promote your business than through our show? Not only are our listeners loyal, but they're also engaged, just like you. What better way to advertise your business than through your favorite podcast? So advertise your way onto 755 is real by visiting www.theathletic.com forward slash podcast ads. You won't be disappointed. There you can fill out a very simple form and we'll get back to you right away. So go to www.theathletic.com forward slash podcast ads, all one word. Uh, where to play him? Puig. Uh, we talked a little bit about he played center and left early in his career. Some left, a lot of center, but he's not a center fielder anymore. Um, 
they could potentially play him in right against lefties when Acuna moves to center and mm-hmm. the defender goes to the bench or defender's slumping or whatever, starts out slow. And then you could have Adam Duvall and left in those scenario with Ozuna at, at DH. You know, that's one. Uh, against righties, the Braves could, could ask Puig to play left field or move Acuna back to that position. It's where he played, you know, as a rookie. He's played more positions in left than anywhere, but he's just, we've seen he's more of a weapon in right field defensively. Acuna is clearly. Yeah, and I don't think people understand why it's so hard to adjust from right field to left field. You know, but it's uh-huh. it's it's the angles that the ball comes off the bat. You know, the way that a lefty a lefty ball will slice, um, lefty will pull a ball to the right side and it'll have top spin, and there's just different angles and stuff. And it's right. it's a lot bigger adjustment than people expect. But I I mean, you're gonna see him in left. That's the only place I see him consistently getting getting yeah. in the outfield. And then obviously when Acuna moves to center, you throw him in right. Um, but you know, with his athleticism, I, I he could probably just make up the ground if he gets a little tough read. Yeah. I mean, unless he just cannot play left, yeah. unless that's the reason he never played it with the Dodgers or hardly ever, then I don't think you move Puig to right to accommodate him when Acuna is your franchise cornerstone facing no. the franchise for the next decade. And Puig's going to probably be here for two months or three no, months. No, he's not, he's not moving Acuna. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to have a cannon no matter where you put him. Yeah, yeah. That's too, man. That is too strong <laughs> outfield arms in the corners, yeah. man. Yeah. And then if Ender's on his game, you got one of the best defensive center fielders in center, three-time gold glover in center with those cannon arms in right and left. Yeah, that's good outfield defense. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, and Ender can go into gaps and get those balls, so either neither guy has to really overdo it as far as getting the balls in the gaps. Ender has got that covered. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, it's going to be interesting. Oh, of course, all this conversation was for naught if he fails his COVID nineteen test. <laughs> yeah. If not, we and if he passes it, we're going to find out. It could be later today. It could be this weekend. It, it's going to be soon, one way or the other. Yeah, and that's why I guess the team hasn't acknowledged it. And uh, yeah. you know, it's I guess it, it comes down to two. You know, if you if if that info's out there, it's going to be really hard to get signed by the next team. But I didn't know the teams would void a contract over that. I just assumed they'd just wait for the guy to get better. But well, it's not voiding the contract because they haven't signed it yet. You know, right. so so well, it, it just nix the deal, I guess. Right, however you want to say it. Yeah, in a two month season, you can't you can't have you can't a wait. guy. Yeah, you don't know how long he's going to be out. We don't know how long Freddie will be out. He's got to pass the test. And that could I mean, be tomorrow. That could be even a month week. out of him for 370, though. Yeah. Well, all right. So anyway, we're going to wait and see what happens. But and 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 the other, if we if the Puig contract were to fall through, don't be surprised if Christian Pache makes his MLB debut sooner than later. Uh, though probably not on the opening day roster because he turned his ankle last week, so he's been out a few days. But he really impressed in spring training and then in camp, man. They bring him over from the Gwinnett Satellite uh, camp, and he he lines a double to the on his first at bat, uh, makes a play on the first at bat of the game, go, covers a ton of ground, makes a catch, and then his first at bat doubles. This guy looks ready to me. I mean, he are really close. So you I'm excited see to him, see him play. If 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 Ender struggles or gets hurt, Pache could be in center field. Be cool to see. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch and see how the Braves cover all this stuff with these guys out. I still think I like their depth and I still like their pitching depth, even with Felix out and with Will Smith out and Hamels. We didn't even talk about him, but he still hasn't faced hitters, dude. So I think it's obvious he's going to start the season on the IL. And maybe you hope to have him by, we talked about this last time, last podcast. Maybe you hope to have him by that third week or you know, end of the yeah. first, end of the month. I mean, a stretch run all along. You're always talking yeah. about having for the stretch. This is going to be a shorter, shorter stretch run with this 60 game season. He's doing a lot better. Uh, and, and Snit said it's just a slow process, but he's doing a lot better. He threw a lot of beat or threw, uh, uh, off the mound and that went well. The triceps tendonitis wasn't a, wasn't a, a hindrance. So he should face hitters real soon. He was supposed to be a lot BP and. But, you know, just running out of time. So he's going to have to, what, throw sim games down at Gwinnett to get ready unless he pitches. He could uh, maybe pitch in one of those Miami exhibition games next week. We'll see. They play exhibition games against the Marlins Tuesday and Wednesday here at Truist Park and then fly to New York Thursday and play on Friday, open the season on Friday. I'm trying to figure out when something's going to be on uh, the MLB at Bad App because I can't watch these games they're playing right now. Hopefully those exhibition games will be. They should be. Uh, those games are going to be on Fox, and they're going to have the actual announcers there for uh, okay. to do those games. So I would think then. they would pick those up. 
Yeah, it'd be cool it's been pretty to watch. fun to watch so far. I tell you what, Darno has impressed with the bat. He's hit a couple of bombs. Oh, he rallies look good. Acuna, dude, has really come around. I know we talked about you don't care if Acuna doesn't get a hit all spring and all summer camp. He's still going to rake when the season starts. <laughs> yeah. But he's looked a lot better in the last few ga- few days. Had two doubles and two at bats before that game got rained out two days ago. Yeah, that's the. It's funny because it's when someone's going off, it's always nice to see, you know. Yeah. But but when a guy like Acuna's not doing his thing you're not really not worried about it too much either i tell you who's on it man ozzy he looks great he's just pounding he had a home ball. run yesterday yeah talk yeah. shit all the way around the bases <laughs> to everybody in the infield <laughs> the fake crowd noise is going to drown that out you almost i'd rather hear that than the fake crowd noise man yes they need to get the dude it's okay to have fake crowd noise on a fly ball because it seems like the guy doing it's waiting until it goes over the fence to hit the <laughs> yes. button. It sounds ridiculous when you know, the it, crowd roars <laughs> and the guy's past first base. <laughs> yeah, like you know the crowd. The crowd blows up on a fly on a deep fly ball to yes. left all the time. They so do. You can just you see a fly ball, man. Just hit the button. Just if it doesn't it. go out, you just hit the like the the disappointment button. Yeah, you go to the second level up. You go to the first <laughs> level up, ah, and then the second yeah. level up. Ah, if it goes over, but you can't wait till it goes over because the crowd never does that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's weird. But like I've said before, I'd much I'd much rather have that just white noise than nothing at all. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's weird when it was silent. When they when they turned the noise on the first night, though, I was like, oh, that was that's weird too. <laughs> it's a little late. You, get, you, you get used to it pretty quick, though. It's like this low hum of a crowd, kind of like they're finding their seats and talking and stuff. I need and that. Will happen. Yeah, so it's kind of weird, but I, they're 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 working through the kinks of it. Because the guy's got to both play that and play music, you know, at the same time. You know, yeah. when the guy comes to the plate, the warm-up songs, pitchers' warm-up songs. There's one so guy like, doing it all. I don't envy him. <laughs> I think it's one. I got to fucking. I got to find out about that. So anyway, last thing: when Freeman returns, expect Riley, Austin Riley. I'm expecting him to be the regular three third baseman. But if Freddie starts the season on the IL, I think Austin's probably going to be the guy over at first base and Camargo at third. Yeah, I think Freddie's going to be ready. You think he's going to be ready? Yeah, I think he is. I, I think that, you know, it, just knowing him and it, the stuff he plays through and what he's willing to do, he's not going to ask for more time. I mean, if they physic- if he's physically cleared to play, I see him in the lineup. Well, he's not going to ask for more time. They might have to I tell know. him, man, we need you to go down and go out and hit and play in a few sim games at least. Maybe maybe join us for that second series. Yeah, but you remember that time. I mean, with, there's special guys in the game. You remember that time yeah. Chipper – Rolled his or tore his. He, I don't know what he did. He tore his uh, knee yeah. up just like walking. He they yeah. he tore his meniscus walking or something like that. Yeah. He's getting so old, and they wanted him to go play some rehab games. And nope. he he said I'm good. Yeah. And he uh, I mean he made a barehanded play in the first inning with after a month off. Made a barehanded yeah. play in the first inning. Got a single in his first at bat and homered in his second. And it's just like <laughs> you know some guys are just. Some yeah. guys are just different, man. They're just born to do this. And I got God Freddie being one down, of them. reaches down and touches yep. some, man. He touched Freddie, too. <laughs> he touched Freddie, but he definitely touched Chipper. Yeah. I think he even got scoped. I think he had his knee scoped. No, he had surgery. Yeah. It he comes back without even so much as a <laughs> sim game. <laughs> no, it was a big deal. They were trying to they, – they really wanted him to go play some rehab yeah. games in Gwinnett or something. Chip just said, I'm good. Nah, I'm done with that. I'm like, tired, right, tired well, of going down there. I, I see Freddie kind of having the same approach. Just give me the bat. You know, Which the bottom leggers were probably bummed because the ones that hadn't got a chance to play with Chipper yeah. or, eat that, or eat that huge spread that he would have provided if he had gone yep. down. <laughs> yep. They love when the big guys come down, don't they? Rehab for a night. Oh, yeah. You go from – Corn beef and you know some kind of <laughs> shitty barbecue out there with that to Outback Steakhouse or some nice steakhouse, yeah. you know, chops or something like that getting catered to you is pretty nice. Yeah, I was talking to that catcher, uh, Logan and Brown. I told you that that, uh, that is on the 60, and he was in low A last year, and he was at Rome when uh, when Keiko went down and made his first start after signing at midseason, he still made his first start at Rome. And Keiko got them all steak, steak and potato dinners, man, like from a nice steakhouse there in town. So yeah, I bought, eating, I bought quite were, a few of those my last few years riding that Phantom. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> you feel obligated, right? I mean, you got to give them no, tacos. They're going to be like, come on, man. No, you have you, to do it. But it's really easy. You basically just tell the club, you right. say, I want to buy a spread. They yeah. got their go-to place. They put the order in. They just hand you a bill for like 1500 all right, that's it. We uh we appreciate it. Seven fifty five. Hey is David, real. Eric. Hey guys. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I know we're on our way we're out, done. but there's something I wanted to do before we uh, end today's show. So I want to play this guy. Play this for you guys. Dave. Oh, Morlo. Just wanted to congratulate you guys, mate. 
Wonderful effort, 100 episodes, huh? <laughs> Incredible. And look, as your number one guest, probably all-time favourite, um, I just want to say another congratulations and is there anything else I can do for you guys to help, you know, make you more famous, just let me know. Get All your right. ass back on here then. Hey Dave, Eric, it's Andrew Green here. I just wanted to congratulate you guys on your 100th episode of 755 is Real. It's awesome stuff, man. I listen to you guys every week. I love the uh, the fan questions, the interactions. It's raw, funny, real. You guys do an awesome job. Congratulations. Keep up the good work. Hi, Eric and Dave. This is Carl from Atlanta. want to wish you a happy 100th show. Been listening to you guys for about six months now and loving every episode. Definitely lifts my spirits up, especially during this whole coronavirus thing and love staying connected with baseball. You guys are definitely my uh, favorite podcast. Keep up the great work and I look forward to listening to you going forward. This is Walt Stone, Boulder, Colorado. I thought some of your best work was during the downtime. The guests, the Q&As, the general discussions were all good. I wanted to make sure you know how much your work is appreciated. Looking forward to the next 100. Hey guys, this is Spence from Alpharetta. Congratulations on your 100th episode. The 755 podcast is essential listening for me. It makes me a better fan. So here's to another 100. Here's to another 1,000 great episodes. Keep it up, guys. Thanks for the great work. Hey guys, Dale Murphy here. Congratulations on number 100. Every podcast is a home run. You only have 656 to go. Thanks for all you do, and thanks for having me on as a guest. Always enjoy it. All the best. Congratulations, guys. Nice going. Guys, congratulations on 100 episodes. Uh, I know I know That's it's uh, not easy, and many people don't know the work that goes in behind the scenes, especially with the long night to the ballpark. But congratulations, guys. Here's to uh, many more, or you know, until Eric gets eaten by a bear in Seattle <laughs> or falls off his boat or something. Great yeah. stuff. Thanks, Cam. Appreciate yeah. it, man. That's Cam and Marlena, our producer. We could not do this show without him. We appreciate you guys, man. Thanks for everybody for listening. It's been great. 